episode 264 of Manage the Wild. I'm your host, Nick Madsen. You guys work a job where you probably care too much about the task at hand. You know what your job is, and you end up feeling passionate about the whole process. And so you find yourself in this position where you know it's not your responsibility, but you care so passionate that the stress of whatever the decision that needs to be made, you feel like you have to make it, even though it is not your call, not your fault. I think that's the challenge that a lot of uh, people involved in wildlife end up feeling one way or another. When you're talking to researchers, uh, about different things that they are getting involved in, uh, whether it's studying mule deer and uh, winter die-offs or studying cougars, um, preying on uh, feral horses, whatever the task is, and their research isn't going well, whether they had large casualties or large die-offs because of winter mortality and they feel bad for the mule deer, uh, biologists often get that way as well. And I found that myself in that very scenario. Uh, it played out when I was just uh, new to the job, part-time technician, still going to college. A group of elk moved into an area not too far from my house and moved into an area that was really close to uh, an urban area, but also two main highways. And they came into this corner and they were blocked off by the two main highways stopping them. And right where those highways are, there was a dairy. And these elk move in in the wintertime. And there was some hunting that had probably driven them in, but there also wasn't a whole lot of hay in between them leaving the mountains and to where they stopped. They came into this dairy, they started getting into the haylage, and they started dying. Uh, they were bloating, their stomachs would explode, and it was causing a lot of problems for them. So the, the choice was that we go in and we talk to the landowner. And because I lived within a mile of this, and, and the biologist and everybody was further away, they asked me while the biologist was on his way to go and and talk to the landowner. So I'm talking to the landowner, giving him kind of an idea of what we're hoping to do. We're hoping to push the elk uh, away, uh, whether we use snowmobiles, people on horses, or just people on foot. And we'll push the elk as far as we can back up into the mountains. And I'm telling the landowner this, and he does not honestly care. All he sees are people lined up in front of his dairy, in front of his house, seeing all these elk die. And he is feeling pressure. And I was that pressure relief valve for him because he just cut loose. And while he's yelling at me, I felt right down to the bottom of who I am that it was my fault that those elk were on his property. Those elk were dying. And in my mind, I told myself I wasn't going to go home until we figured out that situation. And 
there's been multiple situations that have happened to me like this where I just found out that I get too involved in the whole process and it's hard for me to to step away until I get completely burned out. What happened is the wildlife manager ended up deciding we were going to push the elk. So a bunch of us started walking, uh, and as we were pushing the elk, they were dropping and dying. I think there ended up being a total of 22 that died from bloating. So we start pushing. We get to the river. The elk jump across the river. We all run back to our vehicles, and we start pushing. And we push these elk as far as we could. I mean, they went right up to the verge of where these hills were that they came from. And we thought to ourselves, holy cow, you know, we've done a really good thing. And lo and behold, the elk had different ideas and they came back the very next day and they were in the same spot. And all of that worry and all that frustration that we had with those elk being there and dying as we hauled them off in trailers to pushing those elk away and making the situation safe for both people and elk it was all gone because we had got those elk away and there was pure relief that that situation was over. And then the very next day it started and came again. What we ended up doing is we ended up fencing off his haylage for him. Uh, we put up temporary fencing and we had this landowner feed the elk. A small town had... Uh, quite a few turkeys, uh, anywhere between 200 and 500 turkeys would descend on this area. And they were all about the berries on their, on their plants, uh, crab apple trees everywhere. Um, they all scatter fed chickens and they had bird seed feeders everywhere. And these turkeys would descend into this area. And I had a lot of tasks I was doing, uh, Roadkill pickup, I was dealing with injured animals and uh, turkeys, as well as all the other duties that uh, we were being asked to do. And I made it my personal mission in this area to remove all the turkey problems and to make sure that this town didn't have any turkey problems. And we pulled a couple hundred turkeys out. But I remember being so desperate for solutions that I asked the wildlife manager, hey, I know we have a net gun and I want to use it for deer, or I want to use it for the turkeys. It, we use it for deer and elk, and I want to try it on turkeys. And he asked, how are you going to do it? And I said, well, I'm going to hang out the back of the truck. And when we come up alongside the turkeys, because the turkeys were used to vehicles, I want to shoot at these turkeys and just see if it's going to work. So we loaded up the bolt gun and we got the hottest load possible because there's different loads depending on what you're going after. Some will shoot the net faster. Some will shoot it slower. We got the hottest loads possible and uh, my boss drove the truck and I hang, I was hanging out the back of the truck like a redneck and we ended up shooting this net gun and it opened so fast that the truck almost drove through it. It ended up getting big and caught the tree, uh, and the turkeys were 20 feet in front of it just laughing as they flapped away. But uh, I think uh, this is kind of the challenge that you face in wildlife is there are situations constantly going on. They're constantly high-pressure situation because wildlife are unknown to a lot of people, 
And so when wildlife descend into an area, people expect biologists, technicians, specialists, researchers to know exactly how to deal with those situations. And the problem is that wildlife don't react like any domestic thing that you've ever dealt with before. I've gone in on moose where we were in an area that it was terrorizing people at a cabin and we didn't need to tranquilize it because it was so close to the mountains. We just wanted it to leave. So we ended up hitting with beanbag rounds, but every time we would hit it with a beanbag round, it would come at us and chase us, roll back its ears and stomp its feet. And every time you come to a wildlife situation, I felt myself saying, I'm sorry, this is, this is just the way wildlife is. We don't know how they're going to react. And that's exactly how wildlife are. You don't know how they're going to react each and every time you come into a situation. If you're roping a moose out of a ditch because it can't crawl out of a, a cement culvert because it's too slippery, just know that once that moose takes off, your rope's still going to be tied around its neck, and now you're going to have to figure out how to release that rope because these are situations that you're going to face every day, and you just can't get it too involved. You have to look at it and slow down, take the whole picture in, process it, work with your team, make sure you're making those good calls to the benefit of yourself, the community around you, as well as those you work with. All right, you guys, have a great day. Stay wild.